everybody. Hi. Hey, I'm Alan. I'm Brent. And we're back again. For the A-B testing podcast. What episode are we on here? Well, I, I actually had to look up that uh, this time, Alan, and we're on it, 16. You had to look it up because it's a number too big for you to count? It, it's too high for me to keep in my head. That's that's excellent. Excellent job there, Brent. And our first episode of 2015. Yes. Look at that. Hey, so, Happy New Year, everyone. It is. It's been a month. We took the, the holidays off. And what did you do on your holidays, Brent? I did very proactively nothing. I was very forcibly doing nothing. It was fantastic. Wow, I'm impressed. I was hoping to draw a little bit more out of you. No, no, I did. It was hard to do. Like family wanted to do things. I said uh, no. Work. I'm on, I'm on my couch. Work. My, my lazy boy recliner. Uh, you know, uh, I've actually thought about going out and buying a lazy boy recliner. Uh, we want to. We want to upgrade the the uh, our the living room. Chair? We want to we want to upgrade our living room, but that would have violated my principle of doing nothing. So it was fantastic. It was um, so we had a big release just before the holidays. Um, uh, Power BI is the the team I'm on. We have now uh, uh, several new features, and those features are all free. So if those who are interested in the the Power BI space, you can go create. Uh, use our, our uh, new set of features and go create your own account for free and start messing around with uh, Power BI dashboards. It's a fantastic product, but it took a lot out of us to build it. And so I, I shut off. Matter of fact, I had to do a password change. You know, you know how our passwords yeah, expired. Our password. I had to do a password change. I did not update the password on my phone until I came back to work. Wow. Yeah. Excellent there. Yes. So um, that last portion. How about you, Alan? What's new with you? I I would have to put in the plug that last portion of the podcast sponsored by Microsoft Power BI, a seamless (laughs) integration to do some sort of other buzzword things. Data stuff in in a SaaS. uh, Seamlessly integrate your data with the bifurcation doppelganger of the... Yep, we can do that and a whole bunch more. (laughs) That's awesome. I did a lot of junk and did nothing. We didn't travel. Well, gosh, we did travel. I ran a 12K. The 12K is a Christmas run. I finished without puking. That was nice. Took me just over an hour, so I was happy with that. Um, 12K is five miles, six miles? Eight miles. Eight miles. I was, and in fact, it was so much fun that I, in a fit of stupidity that I will, sure I'll hate myself for later, I'm going to do a half marathon in March. um, Around This March? This March, around around Mercer Island. You have support staff? No. You have my phone number, so if you, you, know, if call you need you. it. Brett, <laughs> I, Brett, I'm eight miles in, and I'm doing fine. I just need a beer. <laughs> <laughs> I got your back, Alan. I'll be right there. <laughs> <laughs> and then sort of on, uh, we had a nice holiday at the house, and sort of on a, a little bit of a whim, the wife and I uh, took off on New Year's Day for a quick trip to Vegas. Oh. And we, saw, we saw, oh, the night we got there. Next night, we went to the final show of the Justin Timberlake tour, <laughs> and then f- and flew back the next day. So, it was, are you a a, a, B, a big uh, JT fan? My wife is. Yeah. It was a good show, though. It was it was done really well. But I was listening to the radio the other day, and he is. Uh, last year, he was the number one or number two, um, number one artist in terms of bringing money in. 
I believe it. Yeah, like like, and he's a funny bajillion too. Bajillion yeah. dollars, one bajillion. Um, cool. All right. So, those of you that haven't turned off the podcast yet, let's actually talk about software. And this week, because we've been gone so long, and we actually had some feedback, let's go right. Wait, wait. So, so actually, before we begin, there's 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 one shout out I wanted to, to do. Um, those who are listening to the podcast, uh, as well as a blog post, um, you guys have known that I've gone back to to school, and I'm actually, surprisingly, I'm halfway done with it. I'm not really certain how, where, the, where the time went. Um, the But one of my professors uh, uh, just recently passed away. So I just want to basically shout out and say this 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 man uh, has been a key part of my uh, personal growth towards my career trajectory. Very sad to see him go, and I, I really do hope that um, he rests in peace. It was actually very sudden. It was my my last class, uh, my last semester. He was my professor, and we were doing this conference call, and he does a video call, and he suddenly started coughing, and he and he mentioned just sort of out uh, of hand that he was going to go see the doctor uh, the next day. And turned out he ended up having uh, lung cancer. He has, had never been a smoker, so it might have been a genetic version of it. And the word had been that he was coming back this next semester. Matter of fact, the, the class I'm taking now, he was supposed to teach. Uh, but on January 8th, he passed on. So, uh, Professor, uh, if you are able to hear... Thanks. Uh, you have at least one student that appreciated what you did for him. Very cool. Yeah. Well, not cool, but thanks for the shout out. Yep. Uh, so, without further ado, <laughs> let's go right on to the <clears throat> mailbag. Wow, that was fantastic. You know, I, I work on these. So yeah, we have and. By definition, obviously, no one sends regular mail anymore, so there's no mailbag. And people don't even send us email. And often they don't even – actually, most of the time, they don't post any comments on the blog site or on iTunes or Stitcher or wh- wherever. They usually tweet random things in the hallway. So the mailbag for us is anything – any sort of interaction you have with us is the mailbag. Yes, Anything that we can spend a half a second and turn into an interesting question is a mailbag, and we appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, those of you that haven't turned everything off. Although we did have actually a, a, a mail from um, uh, Ching Song. Oh, internally, yeah. This last time. So. Yeah. Well, that come, that'll come up later, right? Yep. So uh, first <laughs> off, I wanted to give a shout, not a shout out, a shout back. Uh, it was really cool. Um, back in December, just after our last podcast came out, Michael Larson did a post on some of the podcasts he listens to and mentioned us, pointed some people our way. Pretty cool. I uh, think we were number one on the, the Michael yeah, Larson's well, I, list. I, I don't think it was. A, I think it was alphabetical. Number one's number one. <laughs> That's why we start with A. <laughs> we're A A A A A B testing. We are number one podcast right, so, in, in the in the so, so anyway in the category of culture change for software testers. Starting with letter, <laughs> starting with the letter A. Yeah. So so anyway, um, 
I I got to meet Michael four or five years ago at a um, briefly at PNSQC conference down in Portland, and then I've been reading his blog for a long time. He did a great review of how he tests software at Microsoft when it came out on his blog. But then just recently, last month, I had the blog post here, so I can pull up the date here. Uh, he did a post on hey on December nineteenth. No, that's actually the podcast one was on December nineteenth. He did another post that I'm not going to look for right now, but but it was on. Now I'm going to horribly paraphrase this, but it's 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 interesting. It was something like organizations abhor a vacuum, and the story he told was somebody at their company just left, and they're the person that owned all the VM stuff. And he said, "Well, I have some background there. I can I can jump in." And and sort of the moral being, "Hey, you know, if there's stuff you can do, go ahead and jump in," which I fully believe in. So much so that uh, it reminded me when I read it that the week before there was some work that wasn't being done. And and I love learning new things and jumping in on things. And my superpower is I can learn things really quickly and I figure things out really well. So there was some work that needed to be done. And that'd be really interesting. So I lied. I said, hey, I've done something like that before. I can help out. They said, oh, great. And I I had never done anything like it before, but I I knew I could... I knew I could learn it. It depends on how you abstract it. Yeah, I guess right. so. I've worked on products before. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, uh, I've read words in English before. I can do this. Yes. Now, I mean, there's a sense of fearlessness that actually Alan and I both share. Um, I think we've been testers for too long to believe that that code is is anything even remotely resembling magic. It's just another bunch of lines of code put together to solve things. It, yes. It, it's not hard to figure out what it does and how to make it do the right thing. It's hard for some people. Uh, not for me. It just takes yeah. diligence. Yeah. Anyway, I, I related a lot to that because I did that, all, that, that post especially but from the recent ones because that's exactly what I do. So I, I, like to, uh, I like to be a generalist. Wait, which one? Oh, let's not let's not go there again. So anyway, thank you, Michael. Uh, his website, uh, mkltesthead.com, uh, and he's, I believe, mkltesthead on Twitter. But if I'm wrong, you probably already follow him anyway. So um. yep, I I I do follow uh, Michael uh, and read his blog uh, quite often. Cool. Yeah, I, he's a great. He's great. All right, let's get into. Oh, oh, Twitter conversation. Was this from Gear in Norway? Yes. About, he thought it was, we were talking about, you know, one-on-ones and coaching and mentoring. And he mentioned that in his workplace or in his culture, the managers, that just, managers didn't do that. Yeah, he he sent us a a tweet and, and his feedback was after listening to one of our podcasts. And I think it was some comment that I had made around, um, the frequency in which I, I talk to my guys. Um, and he, he found it uh, odd or befuddling, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, to have management that syncs up with their uh, employees on a weekly basis. And, and he even went as far as to say uh, he found that like culturally odd. Like he, w- he was going to talk a, or ask around and see if any of, uh, any of his friends or coworkers uh, experience such a phenomenon. All right. So, what do you think? I 
the the opposite to you and I, the opposite seems weird. And it's not like you need and yeah. and this is one of those things where it's really easy to get the pendulum the wrong way. And I see managers who are so busy because they have these eight or nine direct reports, want to meet with each of them for like an hour every week. And sometimes the, the weird thing that happens like we'll do an hour one on one a week and then you won't you just won't see them the rest of the time because you're doing other managerial stuff. And my I'm not a manager, but my management style when I choose to be a manager is the even more frequent, shorter kind of check ins. Yes, you have to have longer discussions around career and kind of what's going on where you need to dig deep. But I'm really big into the one minute manager. Give get out of people's way, but dive in and find out what's going on and see if you need to intervene. There was um there was another on that same thread, there was another reach out uh or another another uh, person i forget in the name at the at this moment in time reached out and, and sent a, a thread around sort of the role of a manager and a, a belief that a manager who holds on to the idea that they remain technical was bad uh, particularly in the in the feedback context and and I think the way to really address this feedback uh, problem, uh, and I guess the third thing I would I would bring into play, for those who have heard of it or not, uh, there's there's this new sort of um, software engineering model. Uh, wait, there, I'll wait till you're done. Sorry. Yeah, that that uh, Zappos is really what do they call it? The holacracy. Yeah, it's holacracy. The holacracy. I was saying Zappos is the primary example leverage well. throughout the. But holacracy, there's no managers at all. So actually, and that was the thing when I first saw Gears Twitter, he's like, he was uncertain about this world where managers have one uh, have weekly one-on-ones with him. And I wasn't actually certain which direction he was talking from. Was he talking from the old school world where, where basically managers get promoted because they're super technical and they suck at that actual job or more of the future world where there are no managers and he doesn't have sort of a command and control uh, or a head he's expected to get feedback yeah. from. When you look at, and we're going to be all over the board on this because I have a whole bunch of ideas on this. Yeah, um, as do I. You know, Zappos is uh, sort of famous for that holacracy culture, and but they don't have managers. This is, I don't know which direction to go. Somebody signs paychecks. Somebody signs, you know, off on purchase orders or whatever. So, so people do have authority to do those things. Yep. People don't report to each other. It can kind of work. And I always thought, I always, it's a great thought experiment to walk through. How would this work? And kind of talk through it. When I think about any sort of complex concept, uh, it helps me to think about extremes. Like, what would it be like if there's no managers? And whether I work at Zappos or not, I can think about it. Well, somebody's going to have to step up. And you're going to have people... Are you uh, talking now in a leadership role? Or I'm talking are we still about on feedback. Uh, no, you already you brought up Zappos, so I'm going this direction. Okay. When you don't have any managers, people will still step up to lead. You're going to get uh, self-organizing teams. Yep. Big believer, and those are going to happen. And want to force them to happen? Don't have any managers. Yep. They'll absolutely have to happen. You'll see that work out. And there are companies that have very few managers, they're very flat, and the same things happen. And there's not a lot of difference between a company with very, a very flat company with very few managers, maybe 10, 20 reports. I don't know the employee count at Zappos. Uh, where you're going to see that because the org is big enough that manager's job, as the org gets flatter, ends up being a lot more just kind of keeping 
overhead under control. And I wonder if in – I love the thought experiment because I don't know any of this. I wonder if in an organization with no managers where you do have people that kind of end up in that same sort of role. So my – you know, for example, I may help be on the self-organizing team where the strength that I give to the team is kind of keeping everybody organized and making sure the work is moving forward and that people have someone to come talk to when they have a, a question around anything from – how to do something to career in many worlds, I would be the manager of that team, but I'm really sort of the, the self-organized we'll say leader. Of that team. Yeah. The winding it back to, to feedback though. So you pick, you are, are organizing the process The the challenge in that world that it, in terms of exploring your uh, thought experiment is how do you improve? How do you, how do you get better at doing that role? Let's say that's something you, all, you sit back and you reflect and you say, man, I am good at this. But now you have the challenge of how do you get better? You go, I want, a special, I want to become a specializing generalist and this is where I'm going to spend my specialization time getting better at. How would you do that? You look for opportunities where you can do that. You look for challenges. Look for challenges, sure. Say, I want to, I want to add performance, you know, testing, performance analysis to my, to my specialties. I've never done it before, but it seems really interesting, and a friend of mine does, and he's pretty good at it. The so, so I'm going to look for opportunities. You know, let me let me shadow you. You know, somebody else is doing this. Mm-hmm. Let me shadow you on this. Nobody else is doing it. I'm going to take some time to go read about it and, and, and come up with some ideas I can try on my own. And I'm going to try things. I'm going to experiment. And then as I get a little farther, I realize, wow, I can do these performance activities, but to really understand what they mean, I need to understand a little bit more about statistics and how to analyze this data effectively so we can make choices. So I'm going to dig in a little bit there. And if you want to get better at something, um, you need to learn it, right? You need to learn and practice. Yes. And deliberate practice. So you need to grow your ability towards those challenges. Yeah, and and, um, the only thing, the only advantage having a manager gives you in if we're still talking about that thing yep uh in that situation is if you don't know where to go you can ask your manager where you can go but there's a weird there can be a weird codependency there because you can ask anybody that doesn't have to be your manager you can ask anyone that You, you need you need a suitable means to discover what you what you don't know and what you don't know you don't know and, and that you need to leverage your team for that more than, you know, or at least as much as I don't, I don't know where a manager, the person you work for provides any additional advantage there. Let me let me ask you one additional question. Oh, yes. I love the is this, it's the bonus round. It is. All right. You did well in the first round. All right. How would you know that you're not just blowing sunshine up your ass? How would you know that you are actually doing good versus you thinking you are the work i do needs to provide value to the product okay and how would you know if it's doing because what you just described is that you're now uh the way i kind of envision what you described you are the world's best as far as you're concerned are are we are we making product decisions that improve the customer experience and depending on your definition of customer. Yep. But are we making product decisions that improve the customer experience based on the work that I'm providing to the team? 
let me um let me let me be more precise because <clears throat> I, I believe you can do that and be good at organizing the process and still be pissing off everyone that you're working with yes and that feedback i get where is you're going probably important yeah so how do you find out okay so i i can figure out the work i'm doing is helping the product but you're asking me how do i figure out if i am doing it in a way that is uh I was going to say socially acceptable, but how, how am I a good team member as well? Mm-hmm. And we've talked about the things I value, you know, on a team I work on. I'm pretty straightforward. You know, does the work you do provide value to the product? Uh, do you have what's your output? You know, are you are you getting a, a reasonable amount of that work done? And do you play well with others? Yeah, those are the, when I look at someone, I want to think how how well you're doing. I look at those things. Yes, and so how do I know if I'm playing well with others? I always do. No, I. This is this is tying <laughs> I'm it back awesome. to. I just know. <laughs> um, you can well, in absence of a peer feedback system, which we've talked about before, yeah. which I which I love, and and sort of an ad hoc. Uh, if you can get people to really use one and rate people, it's great. But ask people. Ask if you don't have a way to figure that out. I would ask people. I've, I've done that before. Um, I've asked someone to ask someone else about me if you're afraid to get that feedback directly. Uh, but I really would prefer a sort of either a, a feedback system could be anonymous or not, or maybe even both. Uh, do you have an answer for that? How do, how do you find out how, uh, this, if you're pissing people off? The Actually, you're always pissing people off. So how do you find out when you're not pissing people off? Uh, I'm also, uh, turns out I'm not pissing people off more Whoa. frequently than I'm pissing people Whoa. off. Yeah. Uh, particularly at the times during the day where I'm sleeping and everyone else is. Nope, pissing off no or hardly anyone at that time. Um, no, so you just did a great thought exercise, and, and I think you kind of concluded that to, in a holacracy world, in order to, to really succeed, and not only as a team and a project, but when we're talking about a feedback system, we're really talking about the role of the individual mm-hmm. and, and how to help grow them um you 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 have to have some sort of peer feedback tool and it turns out holacracy acknowledges that and um you have to reduce the friction uh to enabling people to give fair uh feedback um uh in a in a way that's actionable and uh nearly immediate the the other thing most I, I have not seen any article that discusses holacracy in sort of a waterfall context, right? Uh, mostly, most oftentimes you'll see hol- holacracy. I'm going to say most currently. I, it's all that I've seen uh, are doing some sort of agile process. And agile, uh, one of the great benefits is it really tugs out transparency. Everyone knows what everyone knows. The in a holacracy world, you really have to have collaboration. Uh, collaborative teams really helps to instill trust, and that really helps to light up the sort of peer feedback mechanism. Going back to the other extreme, though, um, talking about managers, right? I am a technical manager. Um, uh, I, I have gone through several years of... Uh, I'm actually surprised, honestly surprised, when uh, my manager feedback scores are below uh, 
and it hasn't happened in decades. The, <clears throat> the main reason why I think most managers, when, when they go into that role and they stay super technical, it's because they don't understand the problem that they're trying to solve. Their, their job isn't primarily to get the project across the wire. They have to do that, but it's, it's more medium-term, long-term thinking. And, and um, you cannot just do that without paying consequences. You will see your people going um, stymied. You'll see your people getting to a point where they're not getting support from you, and they've kind of run to the end of, of their ability to create a method to get additional feedback, and they move on. And you can't do that. I, I think you can't do that as a manager, period, but you absolutely can't do that in the software world because the number one asset is the knowledge that's between their ears. And if you let, if you let that go and you don't invest further in that, you are short shrifting project acceleration. Did you say shrifting? I did. I said short shrifting. What is shrifting? Uh, short that changing. sounds like something that happens in a jail. That's um, shiv, shrift. Anyway, I'm sure right, that on. I don't know. All right. uh, short changing then. All the, right, the, I'm going to go with shrifting. To make Captain Synonym here happy. Although you, if the knowledge that's in their their heads, and, and Alan's in, in other podcasts, he, he's he's done um, multiple um, discussions around the the importance of recognizing that we're not in the software industry. We're in the knowledge worker industry. We just happen to be using software. Um, so the knowledge is the, the primary asset. Therefore, you're, you're best motivated to motivate and challenge and grow the person with that knowledge. And if you fail to do so, uh, you, you better have a plan uh, for dealing with that knowledge leaving your team. And far too often I find these hyper-technical managers, either uh, they, they approach this as, they're the guys that are going to do that or not. Let me give you a, a particular one quick story, and then I think, I think I'll end this topic unless there's something. No, no, I, I have more once you finally shut up. Okay. Um, a manager years ago, the best manager I've ever had, he shared with he, me his number one rule of, of management. Okay? He's like, if you do nothing, if you do nothing, you have to do this, and that is your task as a manager is to earn your team's loyalty. Number one, earn your team's loyalty. Uh, you, don't, you can either be a technical manager or you can be a, um, a people manager or you can be like me someplace in between, but whatever it is, and, and you can do this in any of those styles. If you're a technical manager then that means you're helping them grow by look, doing code reviews and, and helping them think of other algorithms or, or other uh, ways to solve the, the, the problem via an architectural stance. But it means you can't just fire and forget. You can't say, Alan, you will do this by Tuesday. And then come Tuesday, go, why haven't it been done? Although Alan would get it done. Um, loyalty is everything. Now, and I'll, I'll, I'll just... Years ago, uh, Michael Hunter blogged on this. Uh, for those who, I think it's actually his last blog still. Um, he asked me to write up about the best bug I've ever encountered. 
And the best bug I ever encountered is when I completely screwed the pooch as a test manager. We had this product. Um, we had these test plans of all the operating systems that we were going to work on. I had a team of 40 people. Uh, the dev team had a, a team of 20 people. Remember the days when test outnumbered dev? And, that was so stupid. And we had like five PMs. And we still couldn't test quality in. No. Um, so we had a team of like 60 people. And long story short, our product relied on DCOM. And we were going to ship with Office. And they were on Windows 95 or 98 that did not have DCOM. And we didn't discover until after Office green-lighted that we didn't work on on that OS, and we never did. So we had gone through a series of interrupts and changing plans, and in that whole process, we had forgotten to test on that OS. Okay. As the the test manager involved and the one responsible for quality, uh, if I had been my manager that day, that would have been my last day at this company. Thank, thankfully, I wasn't, and I was on my way um, to go have a conversation with my manager because he needed to know one of my uh managers that reported to me knew what i was about to do and he interrupted me and he said brent do not do what you're going to do he's like i'm i don't know what what are you talking about i was trying to own the message what what i'm not doing anything he knew better he said before you do anything go home sleep on it and if, if what you are, what I think you're about to do, if you still want to do it, I won't get in your way. I said, okay, deal. I came back the next morning. That guy came and talked to me. Um, but he was still wearing the same clothes. He and my entire team had done an all-nighter working with Dev. They found, they fixed the problem. They did an entire month's test pass in one night. And it was entirely because they didn't want me to um, fall on my sword, which was absolutely what I was about to go do. Oh, um, Yes. Now, the thing I would say when it comes to, to giving feedback, the most important thing is everybody needs to know what actions to take next. And it, and it doesn't matter if it's um, if it's a poor performing employee or it's one of your stars. Everyone wants to, to have ideas and thoughts of what's the next thing I can do to improve myself. And a lot of the times, uh, managers, even if you have a manager doing weekly one-on-ones, that doesn't mean it's going to be good. A lot of those managers, all they do is adjectives. Right? Uh, Oh, you're great. You're excellent. Uh, or you suck. Or you need to improve. Or any of these type of things. And it's not concrete enough. Um, that's my secret to success as a manager. Is you got to give them um, an action. You got to give them action ability. You have to earn their trust so that you can actually tell them the truth, and they'll hear it. Anyway. You have more to say. I, I got so lost in there. So what is I, – I think I figured out – I had a question on what a technical manager was, and it's, but I think you answered that partway through, so that's good. Um, I think most managers eh, were kind of mixed. 
at least on the test side, with whether managers are technical or not. But most, are, I think most managers these days have are technical to some level. I wanted to jump on another extreme because yeah. we when we were talking, it reminded me of sort of the – well, let me ask you this. See if it gets where I'm going. If not, we'll see. We'll all adjust. Okay. Um, so we talked about holacracy and uh, self-organizing teams. What's the opposite of that? What's the other end of the spectrum? Describe the structure and just briefly of what would be the other end of an extreme on that. Uh, the the one that the one I'm thinking of is is kind of when I was introduced to to management, I was told this rule of thumb: for each employee you have, you should be spending ten percent of your time uh, working with that employee to Im- improve them or to to talk with them is it, it, yep. even back 10 percent of was, your time is invested in them you know yeah looking up in some hand wavy thing yeah. is is basically right. as communicated which basically means if you had back in those days if you had a team of 10 that's all you should be doing um so i think that's that's the opposite extreme some place where you have due to some team size and your accountability that's all you do yeah i wonder if so my take on that is if that's your and somebody may have that that uh idea still in their head, but I wonder if your team really grows it's kind of like you got to set them free and my whole my one of my principles around management is give people a framework they can work in and then get out of their way and then I combine that with uh sort of the one minute manager concept it's mm-hmm. it's a nice little business parable book easy to read. I suggest you fly through it but you just need to know when to dive in and, and when to intervene. And, and you do that by knowing what's going on in your team. It doesn't need to be uh, you know, a constant monitoring. And sometimes people need more monitoring than others. But it's, and it's not hovering either. It's getting out of their way until you need to, be, need, need to know what's going on. I completely agree. The, uh, one of the speeches that I give often to my teams is in order to learn and grow – you have to take on challenges, and you have to make mistakes. Absolutely. Um, a lot of managers I, I've talked to, when I, when I say, no, you need to let your team make mistakes, they look at me like, oh, my God, oh, too my afraid. project's going to fail, blah, blah, blah. They're too afraid. And you don't, and, but and, they don't understand that the reason why you need to make, let them make mistakes so that you can help them learn from it. Yeah, I just wonder if you are the overbearing, you know, ten percent of your time dedicated to each employee. If they have that room to grow, and you sort of develop this this dependency or codependency, where as an employee, I'm not sure what to do unless my manager comes by and gives me that, you know, invest that hour a day. And I didn't do the math; they're not that much, but you know, um, diving in and telling me, you know, what I need to be doing. I need to figure things out on my own. One of the things with my current job at Microsoft is I mentioned this a lot. And someone asked yesterday, how do you figure out what to do? I said, there's always work to do. And I've had a good track record of being able to figure out what's the most important work to do. But I haven't had a manager tell me what to do in since I can remember. It's been since like uh, late 90s since I had a manager actually gave me assignments. That's I think that's positive. I think so too. That's not a bad yeah. thing. Cause I, I'm not saying negative things about my managers. With, they they, with, with they one trust possible, me to figure out what needs to get done. With one possible thing is like you only know what you what you are capable of knowing, and I do think um, the only weakness to that is it would have been good. Uh, 
at least annually, a manager assigned you something that's somewhat out of your comfort zone and not your wheelhouse or something that you would normally choose to do because that helps you grow. I know, but as going back to my comment on uh, Michael Larson's blog and, and, and my uh, relation to that is that I do pick things that are hard. For me. I do pick things out of my comfort zone. It, Alan is an active learner, so so uh, yeah. I don't say it, yeah. I this is not a a uh, a path that's maybe automatic it's for, for all, everyone. Yeah. The the other thing, uh, the last thing I think I'll say on this topic. I thought you were done already. I was, and then I and then you said something that I liked. Made, and made, I'm made you undone. More. I don't know if you have figured out how this podcast thing works. We like talk and bounce the ideas off each other. Anyway, we'll work that out. Maybe Brent? maybe that can be an action for you to take. Hey, Brant, take <laughs> take this action. <laughs> uh, Alan yet again indicated that Brent is number one. One thing I think these technical managers, because you, you, you did say an insight um, around that they're afraid. They're afraid to do this. And one of the things I think these, these super technical managers need to get over, or, or hopefully this will give them some, some help and hope to experiment. But the reason why you want to let you, uh, people make those mistakes, actually, why do you think, why would it be valuable to that technical manager to let those people make mistakes? Valuable to him? Valuable to him. I don't know. Tell me. Uh, it's, it's primarily because learning is what causes an acceleration. If you don't let them make those mistakes and you don't give them the, the, the ability to actionably grow, then you're going to be dealing with a static world. From Exa- Yeah. Right? Um, you don't have the ability to accelerate this forward progress. You don't have the ability to scale. And quite honestly, for those managers, growing your team and getting them to, to do that ability to scale is important to your career growth. Yeah, I, I'm a, also a big believer in the learning organization and, and uh, yeah. uh, Singe's work there. Uh, absolutely, with the 100%, and not enough of that happens. Uh, the last thing that it reminded me of as we continue to babble around this is uh, in, holo- in a holacracy, where does the decision-making happen? It rotates. It happens at where it needs to ha- at the closest point yeah. to where it needs to happen, and I believe in that for a team too. I, uh, I think a, a lot your, of managers. Have you shared your World of Warcraft story on podcast yet? I'm sure I have. So, yeah. it, it, in brief, I believe a lot in the World of Warcraft theory of project management, where you form a group, you know, to accomplish a specific task. You work on that task together. Share the rewards, then you either disband or take on another task. Yeah, and and who's the leader in the the World of Warcraft model? It rotates, right? It depends. That I, I think that model is all about holacracy and you know, vice I've, versa. I've done this dungeon before. I'll be the leader. Great. Great. I've rode this pony before. Um, so where was I going? Oh, so decision making in holacracy and, and in a self organizing team in general, it happens where it needs to. Um, many managers I know, and I'm going to tell a st- quick story here. Uh, want to be the single point for that decisions for their team slows the team down a lot. Yep. Now think about what happens and as Microsoft people going, Oh God, I have stories for you. And I will tell you the same story you're probably thinking in your head. I worked on a product once where our vice president, not my favorite vice president at Microsoft, but you can't don't know what I'm talking about because they have like 150 of them. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I think I mentioned this to you. I read at Apple, they have like a CTO, a CFO, 
a couple VPs and that's it. I'm trying to guess the VP. And we have 150. So anyway. Is this a VP so still anyway, here? Yes. Okay. Not the one I was thinking of. Anyway, I better not say the name because um, yeah. it, it, it'll be obvious to some. And, and if I say his name, I'll just start going off on him. And this will be my final podcast recorded on the Microsoft Alan campus. Alan is not but a anyway, But anyway. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. He was... He wanted to be involved in every decision. And talking about a technical manager, here's where you can go too far to the extreme, is we would be in – he would show up to uh, like a ship room meeting and we're going over bugs. And he would dive in and want to discuss everything down to which reg key we were going to modify to do you – know, to, to make this work. At some point as a manager, you can be you can be – I mean even if you, I'm a technical manager of a team of eight people – uh, I, there's a point, you know, I'm, I, I consider that, myself that's, fairly that's technical on the line. That's like way I know. beyond the line. Like you need to trust people to make decisions and get out of their way. And at some point <clears throat> there are bigger problems you need to worry about than minutia, implement minutia of implementation. When I see managers at that level, like the first thing, um, I go, this guy seems like he's being defensive. Like, yeah, I, and and typically well, actually, people who are being defensive. In this case, he wasn't defensive. I really think that he, in a way, he sort of validated himself. It's like, yeah, I can. I'm a VP, but I still dive in here, and you know, if I had to, I would write this code. I will tell you a a, a, a different story. The best VP I ever worked for, and I'll even mention his name. It was Bob Muglia. He was highly technical. Mm-hmm. I I remember uh, very fondly a, a day he and I spent three hours uh, bullshitting uh, outside talking about uh, his exchange server deployment that he did all by himself at his home. Now, why a VP needs <laughs> his own exchange server deployment at home doesn't matter. He did. He had his own domain, and pop wasn't enough. But he... um. He, at that time, was a VP uh, of Server and Tools Division, right? So that was his I – would, I would say what he was doing, and the reason why he went through those actions, he was highly technical, the most technical VP I've ever worked for. But in terms of the space that he owned, I would argue what he was doing and why he was doing it was more so around customer empathy and helping his business grow. Yeah. Not, I mean, he never got in our business. That is completely different. Yeah. I mean, that's passion for technology, which is completely different from diving in way too deep on day-to-day implementation details. That's a great example of get the, you know, get out of their way. I'm just, I'm just imagining your, your last VP going through like a code review and going, hey, hard-coded string, that shouldn't be there. Well, <laughs> My last VP, no, he he definitely wouldn't have done that. It was or the uh, one you were talking about. I don't know if that's the last. Yeah, yeah, one. no, that's the last one. The last one's actually, um, I you know, I like him. He's not my VP anymore. I have a different VP. I can't keep track. How many different VPs have I worked for? Oh my god, I don't even want to count. Yeah, all I'm right. Not even certain which you ones know, you're talking I, about. I I don't think we have time to dive into our last topic, so I have to shelve it. We I'm, we will, and I think actually. There's going to be some more interesting things coming up over the next two weeks on that topic. So let's shove it. And, yeah. yeah, and there's so much to talk. There's so much going on. But it's been fun to be back. 
Yeah. Again, Happy New Year. Yeah, and I apologize that we didn't actually talk about anything, but we did get a few nuggets in there about management and structures and holacracies and other cool words I can put in the summary when I get this posted. Short shrifting. Short, I got to look up shrifting. <laughs> Is that S-H-R-I-F-T-I-N-G? Yes. All right. And another word for you to look up is G-O-F... No. <laughs> okay, we're, we're going to call that good. I'm Alan. I'm Brent. And we'll see you next time. See you guys. Bye.